The good leaders know that they don't have all the answers, so they're open and they let people share and speak. And this doesn't mean you have to agree with somebody's lifestyle. It doesn't mean you have to agree with their politics, but it does mean you have to treat someone respectfully and value them as a fellow human being. At our core level, we human beings, we all want the same thing. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be valued. We want to be loved. One of the things they say, the opposite of love isn't hate. It's indifferent. And that's where we go with no curiosity. We become indifferent to one another. I want people to care. And care is an acronym for conscious empathy, active listening, responsible reactions, and environmental awareness. And if we could just get more people to care about each other and themselves, I think we're on a much, much better path. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures. Share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host on the West Coast. The drizzly gray West Coast. Mitch Simon. And on the East Coast is our amazing co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. How are you this day, Ginny? This day? This day I am gray. This day, I don't know what time it is over there. It is 11 in the morning. Yeah, that makes it more. It's cloudy. Cloudy with a chance of clouds. Right. Yeah. All right. Today on the show, we've got the famous Kareth Foster. Kareth Foster is... Hold on, everybody. An American comedian, speaker, television and radio personality, actress, entrepreneur, executive coach, culture consultant, and the author of You Can Be Perfect or You Can Be Happy. In 2016, Kareth founded the Foster Russell Family Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization which is committed to inspiring free speech, social change, and empowerment through education and mentorship. We're delighted to have Kareth here to talk about inversity. Inversity, an approach that focuses on what we have in common rather than what might make us different. Kareth, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. What a treat. Great to have you. Great. A lot of accolades. We're really excited. So first question we always ask is, what has surprised you the most over the last three years when the world decided to change? Probably the extremism. And extremism on multiple sides, multiple levels. I've seen people just kind of lose their mind and reason and grace go out the window. A bit of hysteric. And seen. <laughs> and seen. Yeah, that is that is the sad reality of what went. But it doesn't have to be that way, which is the good news. You are a force for change out in the world. You're a force for social change. Um, what we know is you're a force for social change inside and outside companies. So want to know what you're most proud of, because there's a lot of things going on in your life right now. What are you most proud of? And we'd love to know your story of how you got here. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm certainly very proud of the work that I'm doing. I'm proud of the way that I do it. Um, you know, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of people who call themselves diversity experts, uh, you know, DEI practitioners, uh, belonging folks. And, you know, I, I appreciate that everyone who's in it, if they're in it for the right reasons, that's why they're doing it. 
But I think that it's the methodology. Um, that's something that we really need to see what's working, what's not. And it's why I, I coined the term inversity. Um, and it's the messaging that I take because diversity is important. It's not that we should just, you know, throw it out the door. Um, but how it's done is what matters. And even it's funny, you know, I, I, I love to play with words that being a humorist, you know, I look at words and the root of the word diversity is DIV, right? And think of the words that start with that division, divorce, right? Things that aren't really um, the, the goal, the end goal, certainly of all these efforts. So I thought if we could take the elements, the positive things that are included in the diversity movement, which is acknowledging, appreciating, um, honoring the the different qualities, the different experiences, the, our backgrounds, our heritage, our abilities, all of those things that make us us, right? That make up our identity. Um, expand the idea of what diversity is. So that it's not just about somebody's ethnicity or their gender or sexuality, right? And include diversity of thought, diversity of ideas, right? Because that's part of true diversity as well. Um, and if we could shift the focus through all of the things that we're looking at that separate and divide us to what is it we have in common? How can we be truly inclusive of one another, but most importantly and powerfully introspective, meaning understanding your value, your worth, your connection to humanity? Because when you can see those things in yourself, that's when you can then see them in someone else. And I, I had to come to this journey on my own. And you asked me about my background. I, I jokingly say I'm a recovered journalist. Uh, because that's what I got my degree in, in broadcast journalism. And I moved to New York City right out of school to work for the television show that we now know as The View. Um, while I was there, I found stand-up comedy, or rather it found me. And comedy became a really incredible vehicle um, for doing what I loved, you know, which was bringing people together, getting people to think. And of course, you know, when you can laugh and think, that's where the growth happens. So I incorporate humor into this work, which a lot of people are like, well, how, how do you make diversity funny? Like this, this is serious. Well, it is serious, but it's also, you know, the humor comes in part of, A, it's a connector. It's kind of like that glue, right? It's the binder. Uh, you can't make lemon chicken without flour and egg, you know, and, and you can't have a good crisp coating, right? Um, and that's what humor is. And it's universal and it's healing and it's cathartic. And, you know, one of the goals I think so many comedians have is that to point out the absurdity of things in life, right? And with regard to the whole diversity conversation or inversity conversation, what's more absurd than hating someone or treating someone poorly because of the color of their skin, because of their ethnicity, because of their gender, because of their sexuality, because of their religion, you know? All the isms and phobias and all those things are very much surface level fears that we've allowed to kind of hijack um, how we see one another, how we see ourselves. Yeah, I love the in word, the you know inclusion, um, in love. Not the in word. <laughs> no, the in word. Um, and and I do the absurdity, and I do appreciate as a comedian um, that it's through comedy that people actually can open up and connect, and it kind of releases yes. inhibitions. The there's another in word. Um, so I'm just wondering. What are some, you know, some things that you do, let's say with your groups or your audiences of thousands, you know, that has them really rethink this whole topic of diversity or inversity? 
Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I do is an exercise where I essentially have everyone acknowledge their bias, right? But I don't do it in a way that's extremely threatening, that puts people on the spot so they feel like, oh, I'm the only one or I'm the outlier. Now I have to hang my head in shame and guilt because the idea behind the exercise is to prove that every single one of us has unconscious bias. And and when we realize that, when everyone is able to acknowledge that, I don't say, no, go home and and self-flagellate. The idea is to understand that, first of all, everybody has it, right? It's kind of like Oprah giving a card to the audience. You get a card, you get a card. Like, you got unconscious bias. You got unconscious bias. We all got unconscious bias. So the idea is to be able to recognize when it comes into play, when it creeps into an interview, when it creeps into a new meeting, when it's happening you know, uh, during an an encounter with someone else, when you're watching the news, when you're driving your car and someone cuts you off, you know, is that bias kind of coming into play? So when you can recognize it, now it's hard, it's, you can actually give many of them a name. Uh, Believe it or not, there have been over a hundred plus identified types of unconscious bias. And that's a lot. That's a lot, right? Excuse me. And it can be overwhelming. So the idea is not to overwhelm my audience, but to get them to understand again, we're in the same boat together. And if you can recognize it, then you can mitigate it, right? And you can remedy it. Does that mean it's ever going to go away completely? No, of course not. We're human beings. Like it's it's ingrained in us. It's part of our survival instinct, right? We have to, you know, figure out, is that person over there going back to our cave people days? Is that a warring tribe, right? Is that a cyber-toothed tiger around the corner? Is my my future going to be threatened my my bloodline my you know ability to feed my family like what's what's going on and while it may not be a physical threat as much anymore it's it's an emotional threat am i going to be taken out of my comfort zone and one thing that we as human beings do not like is to be uncomfortable but the good news is discomfort is temporary right and usually after being a little bit uncomfortable you're stronger and you're better you know, it's like that 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 butterfly coming out of the chrysalis, right? That has to suck for that poor little butterfly trying to squeeze that little body through that tiny little hole. But guess what? After it does it, and if it didn't do it, it wouldn't survive because the process of going through that little hole puts the fluid that's in the body into the wings so that you can be strong, so you can soar. And we have made a habit. You, you asked me what's surprised me most in the last three years. And I say the extremism, but the extremism of, of victimization, right? Of making everybody a victim, of not giving people the ability to be empowered, right? The ability to decide what offends them, right? To be told you have to be upset by this when maybe it's not upsetting for someone. You know, to put someone in that kind of that chokehold of, of being relying on someone else's opinion of them or treatment of them, or words that they use. That, that should have no power over who you are and how you see yourself. That should only come from you. And this this fragility, right, that is is almost kind of being indoctrinated into people, um, especially young people coming out of schools. I, I think it's terribly unfair, and it robs people of their, their agencies and, and of their independence and of their strength. So true. And a question... And this is the one I've been grappling with since dealing with this entire topic. 
is part of Team Anywhere, what is our new reality? What is the um, workplace going to look like? And biases start coming in. Some of the biases are ingrained from, you know, our own social upbringing. Others come from a reality. So I know that if you dress like that, you're not going to do well here. All right, that's just, that's just one minor example. I know that if you don't speak up in meeting, meetings, that's not going to be seen as a leader. No, you know, I may think that's wrong. I may do things to mitigate it. What do we say to the individual? And it could be any of us at any time, right? Who looks at that and wonders... Well, I'm not fitting in here. So that's a great, great question, Jenny. And it's definitely something that's coming up in corporate America, right? Because we're asking people to be their authentic selves, bring their whole self to work. Yet, you know, I think there also needs to be this understanding that there's a professional self and there's a weekend self, right? There's yourself with your friends and family at the, you know, family reunion or picnic. There's the you who shows up for a board meeting. Now, with regard to the whole dressing thing, um, you know, there there has been a lot of controversy about, you know, is someone's hair considered professional? Right, right. And, you know, there you do have to factor in that different ethnicities do different things with their hair. Um, that doesn't mean it should be unkempt, right? I, I, and so, you know, the Crown Act, right, that's come into play, where Black women are allowed to wear braids. Yeah, and- I'll just become educated on that myself. Sure, sure. And that's that's definitely, like, that's, that's one of the sides of this is why diversity is important, right? Because if you don't know that some people's hair don't do certain things, right? Or that it's, it would take chemicals to do it. Yes. That could burn them, that could cause cancer. Like after when, when people have that revelation, they're like, oh, okay, that's why it's healthier for you to wear your hair in braids, right? Versus, you know, coming in with like a green mohawk and, you know, having people like pay more attention to your hair than to what you're actually saying and the contributions you're making. Very good point. Now, there's another side that we talk about a lot with regards to diversity, which is neurodiversity, right? Which is really coming into play in these conversations. And, um, you know, and when I say when we, if we can expand the idea of diversity, because not everybody is an extrovert, right? Not everybody does feel comfortable speaking up in meetings. So the idea and what I try to ingrain leaders with is, you know, let's get creative on how we can bring that leadership out of everybody. Exactly. So there's something that is called quiet meetings, right? And there are a lot of big companies that do. I think Bezos does it sometimes where everybody comes in completely silent. They read the brief all together and then they submit their answers in writing. And one person selected to share the answers because some people may not feel comfortable not everybody's us. Not everybody can get on a microphone and, you know, talk to the world. And... I just do what I do. But there's, you know, there are leaders who just don't don't have that aspect of their personality. And this always reminds me of, I'm totally dating myself, but like Saturday Night Live. And they used to have the deep thoughts by Jack Handy. Do you remember that? Oh, I know. I knew you were going to bring that up. And one of my favorite ones was, you know, what if the world was run by dogs? But it was based on size. Right. So like Great Danes, Great Danes were, were like the kings. He's like, that'd be kind of a shame because I bet there are a lot of chihuahuas out there with some really good ideas. Yeah. Fabulous. And I love the silent meeting. 
I hadn't been reminded about in that about that for a long time. That's fabulous. Thank you. Absolutely. And and that's all this is. Like that's how this work should be. It shouldn't be about, you know, lamb blasting somebody because they talk too much in a meeting or, you know, shaming someone because they don't. Yeah. It's, right. It's how do we incorporate different people's learning styles, personality styles, so that the company succeeds, so that we succeed as an organization, so that we keep communication at optimal level. And right now, it is not happening. People are terrified, terrified to say anything because if they say the wrong thing, they're at risk of being canceled. And then sometimes if they say nothing at all, well, then you're complacent. You're compliant. You you agree. Totally. It's this ridiculous catch-22. What do we do? Like, you know. You bring me in to help everybody loosen up and have a, learn how to, literally, I feel like so much of what I do isn't even about diversity, right? It's about communication. It's about relationships. It's about leadership and development. And it is unfortunate that it is all under this diversity umbrella because the word diversity has been hijacked. Like, let's not, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Like, it's, it, it has, it's been hijacked. And there are people who are totally abusing these programs. And they're doing so for power. They're doing so for money. Um, and there's a lot of money to be made in, in DEI work. But it costs more money if it's done poorly. And that's what a lot of these companies do not understand because so many of the people who are in charge think, well, it's not about me. Diversity is not about me. Right. I'm a straight white guy. I don't know anything about this. Um, no, it is about you because you're part of the, the, the community. And to be told that you're not is, I think, really crappy diversity. Hey, we're taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us continue to bring you more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. So if you were the if you were the great Dane of the world and you had your choice in this in this doggy small dog world, what would you what would you do around DEI? What would you if you were leading the directive? What would you tell people? Stop doing this. Start doing that. That's so funny you say that. So I actually am getting ready to do a DEI detox webinar for my audience uh, that I'm sure they'll be able to find once it's it's out. Right. How to avoid the mistakes of bad DEI. Um, and I, again, I you know I think for so many people think it's a two way street, right? That uh, good DEI is when it's solely about focusing on someone's ethnicity, their gender or sexuality, right? Not the other aspects of who we are because. We're so much more than those things. Like, we're not monoliths, right? And to force people to identify just as one thing, I think that's criminal. Um, and the other lane we get stuck on in this two-way street thinking is that if diversity is done successfully, then everybody agrees and we see everything the same way. That's the antithesis yeah. right, of true diversity, right? I mean, how frigging boring would life be if we all looked the same, dressed the same, spoke the same way? acted the same way like it's 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 that's insanity mm -hmm. so it's more i think of inversity right it's more of a six-lane highway where there's so much more room for learning for growing for i mean i i am learn i learn something new every day and if that's what especially leaders can take on and i think the good leaders they know that the good leaders know that they don't have all the answers so they're open and they let people share and speak. Yeah. It's the the bad leaders who are the ones who are like, well, I've got this. Like they, one of the biases we talk about, right? It's called the um, 
the Dunning-Kruger effect where this this overconfidence, uh, you know, based on like, I've been there, done that, or I, I got this person's number. And it's like, mm, no, not so much. Yeah, yeah. Not so much. You don't have it all together. Yeah, I love the six-lane highway. I'm going to steal that. That sort of says it all, right? It's it's all coming at you. It's not just one lane. you got to be making decisions and being aware and being open, right, to all these different things that could be impinging on what you think is reality. Right, right. And I, I think another big mistake, Jenny, which you just made me kind of really think about, is so many people think that this is about changing other people's belief systems. Right. And it's not. It's not. And I think people are afraid. The people who are afraid of DEI are like, well, they want me to think differently. They want to change who I am. No, not at all. This isn't about belief systems. This is about behavior. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't mean you have to agree with somebody's lifestyle. It doesn't mean you have to agree with their politics. But it does mean you have to treat someone respectfully and value them as a fellow human being. Right. And do that well enough to make things copacetic in a work environment so that people don't feel threatened. People don't feel, you know, completely ostracized, right? You have retention. You have people who want to be there. There you go. Yeah. Ask them, by the way. What do you have to say about um, the unfortunate um, way where that most people are, are kind of getting their media, their understanding, because it's becoming more diverse, right? It's, um, you know, we, I was listening to, uh, I think, NPR yesterday about you know, Gen Z, where the first, you know, the first generation, which, you know, has social media in their hands at like age two and a half. And so their, you know, their whole worlds or even our worlds, whatever generation we are, um, are pretty much handcrafted based on, frankly, our own biases. And, and so you get, you know, young middle-aged people in the workforce and they're, you know, coming into your workshop and they're, well, wait a minute, the world is this way. It's not that way because that's all they know. And and I'm sure there's a great conversation there, um, but I'm just wondering what you do with um, people with really strong biases that they're so deep they don't even see their biases. That's what I do. That's what I do with the humor. That's what I do with the stories. That's what I do with the conversation, right? I get to... I get to, as I say, blow a lot of minds, but open a lot of minds, right? Because at our core level, we human beings, we all want the same thing. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be valued. We want to be loved. And when that's the the main message and you give people the steps on how to not only give that, but receive that, that changes everything. And we are very much... All of us at this point in 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 the headline generation, right? Where we, we read the headline and that's it. We've made our decision. We don't even read the full article. I can't tell you how many people have come at me mistakenly thinking that I was on one side versus another because they just saw the headline in my name and didn't even read what I had to say. Wow. So that's that's part of the issue is we're not acting like investigators anymore. We're not being curious. And that's one thing I say, like, you know, there are some DEI practitioners who are like, well, don't ask people questions. That's rude. That's infringing on someone's. Yeah. And I'm like, we should ask questions. Now, you can be curious and you can be courteous. You don't have to be an a-hole about it, you know, but be you can be kind and, and authentic. But if we stop learning about each other, if we stop being curious, um, 
you know, one of, one of the things they say, the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifferent. And that's where we go with no curiosity. We become indifferent to one another. And even, even hate is a little bit better than indifference because at least there's a passion there, a passion enough to like be seeing what someone else is doing to say indifference means you've just pushed them aside. They're no longer even part of your purview. That's going to be the downfall of, of humanity. Putting up the walls. It's, um, and I love what you, yeah, that, that, that the person who said, don't ask questions or people, um, I think you're right. We are not as curious as we should be because to be curious means you're open to those differences. And so I now want to protect myself. And so you're saying, and your work is opening things up for some conversations to happen because that's how you begin to just get comfortable with the conversation. Um, that's where the problem is. I don't know what to say. I don't know what, to, you know, so I'm just keeping my mouth shut. That I know, get... but you, you guys are making such great points about this new generation who's very much, you know, they're the techies. They're, they're on social media. They're looking at their screens. They're on the tablet. And think about how lack, lacking in conversation, a real dialogue that is. Yes. So that's, that's almost a foreign concept for many people. Like it's, it's very hard. For many young people, look people in the eyes. And I'm not talking about the people on the spectrum. Like, I understand there's a reason for that. But I'm talking about people who do not have a neuro difference. Um, and and just they're just not comfortable because they haven't had to do it. I mean, I make I have small children. I They don't have tablets. Well, they get them when we go on plane rides, but that's it. Like, they don't have access to them. They don't have phones. They Like, truly, I'm going to be the mean mommy. That's all right. But when my kids meet someone else, an adult... They shake their hand. I make them say, tell them what their name is and how old they are, whatever. I don't make them hug people. Like, that's creepy. But I make them be personable. I want to ask you um, what, what, what kind of experiences you've had in your workshops because it sounds like what you're, what you're sharing is like, okay, guys, we're going to talk about biases. So you, sir, or you, ma'am, what are your biases? And the sir or ma'am says, well, wait, I don't want to really share that. You know, no, let's go. You know. I hate green people. I hate tall green people. What what um what kind of um freedom do you see yourself unleashing or or um things what what kind of experiences are people having in these workshops? It's transformational. It really is. It cuz there's so many people think I'm the only one. Ah. Right? People think that about so many things, right? Because we are not connected. It's one of the oh, I'm the only one who has an alcoholic in my family. I'm the only one who, you know, has aging parents. I'm the only one who's got a kid with autism. I'm the only one who's struggling with depression. I'm the only one who has, you know, I, I have to have sugar all the time. No, we're not the only ones at all. And again, at the root of this work is us understanding we, we have more in common than we don't. While it may not be the exact same thing or experience, we all know what it's like to feel discombobulated, to feel overwhelmed, to feel stressed, to be dismissed. And we also know what it feels like to be included and to have someone extend grace to us and, and to receive kindness and to be involved, to be asked questions, to be praised for good work. And, and if we could teach people that it's not that hard, like this isn't hard work. As I say, this is heart work. Uh, good. Because there, this is so much. I mean, and there's, there's a neuroscience component to this. 
you know, the heart is not just a muscle that pumps blood through our bodies. It's a little brain yep. that has over 40,000 neuroreceptors that think and feel and reason and remember. And feel pain. Yes, yes. And so if we can make this heart work and connect the heart and the mind, that's, that, that's the, the golden hour, if you will. And what's between the heart and the mind? Our, our mouths, right? <laughs> That dangerous mouth. That dangerous mouth. But if we can make that connection and then let the mouth be the tool as much as it can be, because listen, 90% of communication isn't even verbal, right? But so much of what we're talking about is, well, so-and-so said this, so-and-so called me that name, so-and-so didn't use that right pronoun. Okay, where was their heart and mind? Was it intentional? Were they trying to hurt you? You know, if so, then maybe there's a space to educate, right? And call people in. We, We so badly want to feel vindicated right now. Everybody wants to be right. That's another part of the extremism that I was talking about earlier. But if you can let go of that need to be right and and just be human, like I think we were joking when we were talking, Mitch, like you can be right or you can be married, right? What did you say, Mitch? Right? You can be right or you can be married. No, I get the term curve, right? No, 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 that's, yeah. it, it said a lot. Yes. You're right. Yeah. You can be but right. It's, you know? it's like, you know, you can be right or you can have a healthy relationship with someone else. Sure, and, and this call need to call people out versus calling them in that, that, that dynamic could change F if we were mature enough, thoughtful enough, had the patience enough, took a deep breath before we react. So I, I what I do in my work is I say, I want people to care and care is an acronym for conscious empathy, active listening, responsible reactions and environmental awareness. And if we could just get more people to care about each other and themselves, I think we're on a much, much better path. Yeah. Like I, um, this has been a beautiful, beautiful podcast. Um, so I'm sure people now are saying, Oh my gosh, how can I find Kara and bring her into my life? And how can they do that? Well, the good news is there are not too many carrots out there in the world. So true. Um, my handles for most of my social media are at Carith Foster. That's K-A-R-I-T-H. My website is, well, I have a personal website, which is Carith at Carith.com or Carith.com. That was my email. I just gave Carith.com and Inversity Solutions. So I-N-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y Solutions. With the S on the end.com. Diversity Solutions. And for those of you parents out there who are going to have children soon, name your child a name that no one else spells that certain way. Get Grab that URL and your kid will be good to go. That's right. I guess. No, seriously, um, this has been really illuminating. Um, and, you know, I think it takes a big load off a lot of people who are like, ah, you know, ah. And then in Karis, you help us explore what's going on inside so we can bring people together. And I love that. So thank you, Kara, so much. Oh, yes, thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you, Ginny. And thank you to all of our incredible listeners. Please absolutely share this episode with your friends or colleagues, your family, and your great Danes. And we'll see you <laughs> next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform your support helps us grow and by subscribing you'll be the first to know when our exciting next episode is available 